ready for this? I got one thing to say. Machine alive. It's all here. What a mega matchup. Universal Wrestling Podcast. I like this kind of party, baby. It doesn't what Welcome back to the Universal Wrestling Podcast. My name is Nick Dieterding. His name is Keith. Keith, what's up, brother? How are you? How you doing? Living life. They call me Juicy. You can call me Keith. Just don't call me at a bad time. Boom. Keith, I got some bad news for you. I deleted the recording, video, video recording of our interview with Mike Kyoto, but the audio is still there. So what are we going to do? We're going to have audio only for this episode. Unfortunately, it's going to have to happen. Like I said, I deleted it, but Keith, this interview rocks. Let's hear it, brother. What do you got? It was the uh, the epitome of a yeah. wrestling interview. I, I loved it. It was like meeting fucking God. Yeah. When when it comes to wrestling in the 90s, there was Brett and there was Sean. And when it comes to refing in the 90s, there was Hebner and there was Kyoto. I've always been a Kyoto guy. And it was yeah. awesome to talk with him and hear him just chat about everything. Yeah, we really did. Every WrestleMania that he uh, main evented, he ref. It was a really good conversation. He's from the tri-state, good old South Jersey, born and raised. Really good interview, really good conversation. Again, it's only audio. I apologize. I deleted the video. It won't happen again. Keith, I will save everything on the cloud. But enough of that. Let's get to the interview with Mike Kyoto. Welcome back to the Universal Wrestling Podcast. My name is Nick. His name is Keith. But let's not bury the lead. We got the legendary... Mike Kyoto with us. Mike, I love your picture in the background. Bruce, Mike, what's up, dude? Yeah. <laughs> Jersey boy, Bruce. I'll be seeing him in February too, man. So what's nice. happening? What's happening, Keith? Thanks for having me on the show here, man. Absolutely. How many concerts yeah. have you seen? Bro, uh, I got, I found an envelope not too long ago with all my concert stubs. I used to collect them. That was one of my things when I was a kid. I used to collect them. Uh, yeah. My first concert was like, God, I was about 13. And, um, seen ted nugent blackfoot and crocus opened up for ted nugent my second concert was the stones <laughs> nice like 1981 you know so yeah 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 um so I, and i've been going i've probably been over to probably more than about 130 to 40 50 concerts something like that so and i'm still going still yeah. going just seen yeah. maybe it's a couple months ago we've seen uh coldplay here in tampa oh and my wife did uh the outdoor stadium that was packed um Going to see Bruce here in February in Tampa. So, nice. uh, yeah, still going to concerts, man. Love him, man. Love him. I'm more of a classic rock guy, though. Yeah. Yeah. I seen uh, Bruce's longest concert at uh, Lincoln Financial Field. Oh, did you? Yeah. Oh, my God. It just never ended. I mean, yeah. it was great, yeah. but it's like, okay, you know, when's you the piss break? You know, like Billy Joel's like that, too. Oh, man. yeah. Like, yeah. You could, man, me and my wife, a couple times, you said, Every time we went to leave early, we're like, oh, my God, shit, he's playing that song. I forgot he even plays yeah. that song. <laughs> Got to run back. Like, yeah, he's just, he's another one that can go. Man. Yeah. Yeah, it's cool. Uh, Rick's Rick Flair's last match was, you know, this yeah. year. Um, maybe it's his last match. We don't know. But 
I think, you know, this is the internet. So rumors are rumors. I'm not sure this is true, but I think you said it was your final chapter in your book too. Is that true? Are you done? No, no, I mean, I'm not done. No, by no means. I I said it just, um, I'm like in the process of getting ready to write a book. And I'm just getting a lot of things together. And, you know, with the pandemic and everything, and I just made this transition, moved to Florida three years ago from Houston. And I was in Houston for about 14 years. So, and you know, me getting released to the company, I just wanted, man, I got so much shit from the 80s and 90s, whether it's pay stubs to backstage passes to this, to that. And it just took me a while to collect all this stuff and say, okay, I'm ready to write a book now. I got in case we need pictures from this in the 80s or in case I need this. And, you know, it's been taking my time and finding the right guy to write the book. So, yeah, you know, when, you know, and Ric Flair being his last match, it was just like, you know, I'm, I was just glad that I didn't write the book already because this could be the last chapter in the book, you know, yeah. doing Ric Flair's last match. Because I believe it is probably his last match, man. I mean, so if he goes out and does other things, whether it's a manager or something else or something like that, or, a pro, you know, yeah, I could see him doing that, but. But uh, he got through it, man, and you know he, yeah. he had a he had to come, you know he had he had to come to the table, man, and he <laughs> produced he produced that night, man. Yeah, I'm telling did. you, the guy was sitting there doing, you know, in the dressing room with him and some of the family and everything, an hour before his match, he's doing like fifty rows at a set. You know, he's just sitting there with his trainer and he's just doing rows and just getting his blood pressure up and getting this going yeah, and getting yeah. going and getting warmed up. And I'm like, holy shit, he's doing about 150 rows, you know, like. And I, I can't even do fucking 25 right now, probably. <laughs> yeah, I'm with you. But, you know, and uh, he got it right. And, uh, you know, I think everybody was pleased and everything went well, man. Went yeah. Well. Yeah, it was great. How did something like that go on, uh, happen? Like, did they reach out and say, hey, Mike, yeah, we want you to ref? Or is it just because of the whole podcast community thing? Um, it, You know, it was, it was not really because of the podcast or anything like that. It was just... uh. You know uh, Conrad Thompson, which is you know, which is his uh, son-in-law. So I mean, you know, and we do they we do a lot of work. I've been contracted with them for a couple of years with doing podcasts and doing other shows like Starcast and uh, other events around you know, around the country. And um, Conrad just reached out to me and said, "Hey, you know, would you uh, be interested in doing Ric Flair's last match, man, in, in Nashville on this date? You know, you know, July thirty-first." And I said, "Yeah, fuck yeah!" I said, "Hell yeah!" You know would love to be a part of that, man. I mean, yeah. Ric Flair's last match, it's, you know, it's, um, you know, it's something, something to go down. I mean, I got the Jersey back there. I'm getting ready to, I'll have him sign it when I see him here in Tampa on the boat one day and, uh, you know, frame it up. So, I mean, and, you know, one shirt back there is from the Rock and Hogan match. And, uh, that was in Toronto. And, uh, I got some other shirts that are framed up and just as, you know, for special matches and certain yeah. things. Keith, he said rock. And, yeah, I mean, he touched Hogan. he touched on the one there. That's like been the, one of the, since we kind of knew this was all coming out, it's been like one of the burning things. Like, look it over it. Yeah, I mean, you're back there from the rock and Hogan match. And just, yeah. I got stuff all over the wall. At least my wife gave me one room. We all get one. I got, yeah. I got so much shit in the garage. I'm ready to make the one car garage out of it, like a barn. Yeah, museum. Nice. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, kind of leading into this, uh, you know, Nick and I were like talking, it's like, it's kind of crazy to me. I think, you know, everyone always talks like in kind of wrestling past and everything. There's always all like Sean and Brett, like at the same time and everything. And I feel like in terms of like refs, it's always been like Mike Yoda and Earl Hebner and like, you know, you're just, you're a freaking legend. 
And like, just kind of looking into some of this stuff, man. I mean, you, you, you did rock Hogan at Mania 18. You did Cena rock in 28 too. Like what, what's it like in that kind of moment? Cause I mean, I know you got your own kind of training and everything being a ref and, right. you know, kind of keep your hands off, but like, you know, how do you like kind of block out just like uh, the crowd, that electricity of, you know, they're I'll looking at two legends going at it, man. I'll, I'll tell you like the, um, and I've always said this, like uh, on the rock and Hogan match, like, you know, everybody didn't know how everybody was, you know, was going to react. There was talk all day. Should that fucking match be the last match? It shouldn't be, you know, the, oh, no, it's going to, you know, we're not going to put it on the last match. Oh, this, you know, I remember Chris Jericho running around saying, and this is 20 years ago, you know, and 202, and he's saying, you know, we shouldn't be going on last. You know, where there's no way we're going to be able to follow at now. This match wasn't going to be the, the most highest, like, technical wrestling match of all. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But they had to come to the table and produce for this icon against icon where Hogan was basically passing the torch to Rock. Right. And I always say, like, you know, a couple years later, Rock took the fucking torch and went to Hollywood. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, you know, so, I mean, but the reaction from the crowd was just phenomenal, man. I mean, I marked out, like, there's some shots and beginning of the match where i'm just looking i just i couldn't believe the crowd reacted this much when hogan came out yeah and the way they uh it was like sixty-eight thousand people in the sky dome it was just phenomenal i mean and that's a huge ass the sky dome's a huge ass building and that thing was just so loud and it wasn't even like it it, it sounded like there was a hundred thousand people in that building and just from the the beginning of the match the face off to the big shove off, the shoulder tackle, the fucking Hulk up. It was just the place went fucking nuts. It's yeah. just because, you know, Canada is such a respectable <clears throat> country for wrestling, man. It goes way back to Stu Hart, yeah. you know, the dungeon, Bret Hart, and all the phenomenal wrestlers that come out of Canada, like Edge and Christian and, and just so on and so on. So, I mean, you know, I just, I don't know of one Canadian that couldn't work, you know, couldn't be, wasn't a good wrestler, <laughs> yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, so they are very respectful, you know, fans, and they appreciate what Hogan gave to them all in the years with him, you know, being Hogan and then going, doing his thing at NWO and then coming back to the WWE, you know, at the time. But uh, that was amazing. Uh, Rock Cena was amazing. Um, you know, and you knew there was a second rematch going on there. So where, you know, and that was, that was pretty tough for Cena, I think, to swallow because, you know, Cena was running the company for 10 years, at least strong, working hard, man. And the guy worked hard, loyal, and every week on the road, overseas, international, everything. And, um, you know, for Rock to come in off of Hollywood and then boom, you know, he yeah. didn't see it that night. It was like, ooh. But, um, you know, and of course, you know, Cena gets the payback, you know. Um, yeah, which was, 29. Which was cool. Yeah, right. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, but all the matches, you know, I always say, like they say, what was the best match? Well, you know, Rock and Hogan by a crowd perspective and the way that the fans reacted so much and the way I marked out inside the ring there for a little bit, you know, and then once it got all down to business, you're right, I just blocked everything out. Yeah. You know, and once you get into the match and you get started, you got to, you know, you're focused on your spots. Like in that night, I was focused on taking that bump and making sure the timing was right on that bump. Where I was on the outside of the ring and you know, rocks hitting the other side of the ropes, and I had to slide in just at the right time. If I don't slide in at the right time, and, and you know, our timing is way off, the bump looks like shit, you know? Yeah. Right. So that's, you know, the bump and just making sure I knew the spots in case Hogan forgot any or anybody was calling spots. But those, those two guys right there were old school. So if they had a spot to call, they call it in the ring, call it to me, I'd pass it on. So, yeah. Um, I love it. You know, this match where, 
it was one of the most memorable matches in my career, but was it the most technical? Like when I did pretty much every match between uh, Brock Lesnar and Kurt Angle oh, you know, yeah. right after that, you know, and they, mm-hmm. what a feud they had, man. I mean, I was, yeah. fucking loved it. And, um, and Brock and Roman and, you know, there's so many other matches, you know, I've done that just, I could say where it was just so much more technical matches. Yeah. Tough match. Right. Where they had yeah. Guerrero and Benoit and, and other guys, you know, Kurt Angle and, as you know, plus many more. Yeah. yeah. You brought up uh, WrestleMania 19, obviously Brock and Angle. Right. That uh, Brock doing the, whatever the hell yeah. that is, the flip shooting off. Star. The, yeah, yeah, shooting star. Shooting star, yeah. I mean, what happens there? Do you, I mean, you have to go and check on him, right? And yeah, then, I checked on him, man. His eyes were glassy, man. They were yeah. real glassy. And, um, but it's Brock. It was Brock. It was yeah. Brock. He fucking, he fucked <laughs> You know, you got to remember, going into that WrestleMania, I, I'm pretty sure, I remember, I, Kurt, Kurt was banged up tremendously, man. His neck, everything, you know? Yeah. Like, his neck and, you know, he had to get surgery or is he going to wait to get surgery and all this other stuff. I mean, Kurt was banged up himself, man. I mean, that was one guy took a transition to the business quick was Kurt Angle coming and being, you know, collegiate Olympic wrestler into a professional wrestler, which is not easy. No. Kurt did it like fucking overnight. It was unbelievable. I love it. Again, we're going to stick with the WrestleMania theme. Michael's in Austin, Tyson's in the mix. I mean, right. just take me through that. Yeah, that was uh, that was pretty cool. Um, I remember uh, when Mike Tyson showed up uh, one night for rehearsal, and um, he comes up and he's like, "Hey, Mike Kyoto, man, what's that?" <laughs> like, Fuck, yeah. you know my name? He was like, "I'm a big fan, man. I'm a big fan." I was like, "Holy shit!" I was like, "Yo, I'm a big fan of yours." So it was cool working with Mike Tyson, getting to meet him. He had he had much love and much respect for wrestling. Um. And just uh, working with Mike was was cool. I mean, I know we counted real fast at the end. And I didn't yeah. teach him like that, so I mean, was like, <laughs> he yeah. counted one, two, three. I went, "Fuck!" I didn't teach him that. Yeah. Was like, but uh, we were just, um, you know, we were just going over stuff, and I was trying to just tell him how to count. But he was in the mood. You know, it was it was a cool thing. I mean, Austin, I mean Austin and Sean. Sean was banged up with a bad back. Had to get through that match. Um. He toughed it out all the way through, you know, and, and that that whole that whole era with Stone Cold, Rock, Sean, Taker, everybody, you know, it was, it was just a phenomenal era. Yeah, the, the Boston sure. Garden. Yeah, I think it was uh, it was still the Boston Garden, and I think then. So, but the Garden yeah. was rocking, man. That's that's a great place for wrestling. Yeah, and you were always right there too. Yeah, well, mm-hmm. it shows the trust, you know. Yeah, it was. Yeah, that's why I'm putting out this book and it might be called third man in the ring and yeah the title is on it so i love it but we got to talk some philly Ah, (laughs) how's the crowd i mean obviously we hear about you know chi town we hear about boston but you're in the ring how is it how's philly how's the crowd Philly's great. They if they love you, they love you. If they fucking yeah. hate you, you're done, bro. So it's like <laughs> any done. any sports team. Yeah. Any sports team. I remember going to Philly, God, man, wearing a Pittsburgh Steelers jersey, I'd still get shit. I'm like, what yeah. the fuck? I'll sell you a Super Bowl. And, and this shit would really start. This yeah. is before Philly had a Super Bowl. But um, you know, um, yeah, I mean, God love Philly because you know, Philly was like uh, just always known as a heel crowd. You know, I mean, it's like yeah. goes back to my days. Like I just told you, that, like the Stones were my second concert. Uh, 
George Thurgood gets up. You know, I was 13 years old at JFK Stadium, 100,000 people, fucking one hot August day. It was like MRWISP, Black Party. Yeah, yeah, Party, you know, Pierre Robert shit and all that other stuff. Um, We go, we see George Thurgood open up the fucking day, open up the, uh, the day. He, like, the late afternoon, he opened it up, rocked for about an hour and 45 minutes. He was only supposed to be on for, like, an hour. <laughs> He rocked for about an hour and fucking they yeah. took a break. And the next thing you know, Journey came on. I love Journey, you know? Yeah. And they come on, he's, and Steven was like, don't stop. And they opened up with that song. And it's just fucking Philly just booed him. Booed him oh. right off the stage, <laughs> threw bottles at him. I'm like, and I remember they did that to Steven Tyler in like 1976 or 78. And like, they, yeah, Ira Smith didn't come back to Philly for a long time. Yeah. Yeah. Oh no, what the fuck? Why are you yeah, going? Yeah. I remember Perry going, fuck you, Philadelphia. Yeah. But um, and like ever since then, I was like, holy shit, fucking Philly's fucking rough, man. What yeah. the fuck was that for? And then people had explained it to me because I was young. Yeah. You know, oh man, it was just coming off George Derg with that hardcore rock, you know, one bourbon, one shot, one beer. And then you start off with don't stop. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, um, you know, in wrestling, man, it was it was great. I'll tell you one more quick story. I remember Road Dog and DX were doing their thing, and Road Dog's he had a singles match, and the people and Philly just shit all over the spectrum. They shit all over him, and fucking even though he's a baby face, you know, DX was a baby face basically. You know, heel baby face, yeah, like Stone Cold, right? Like you know, whoever, but and he comes through the crowd. He's got fucking mustard, ketchup, fucking beer, popcorn sticking to him. I mean, completely fucking doused in every fucking thing. Yeah. Okay? If you, they had it at the concessions, it was on him. And he came through and he looked up at everybody and all the boys were sitting in the back because he knew he was getting doused. And he just goes, fuck, they call this the city of brotherly love? What the <laughs> fuck? <laughs> he yeah. just, I just started dying. But, um, you know, but Philly's been a great crowd, man. I, I love Philly. because um, Yeah. You know, um, if you don't produce, they'll shit on you, which is, you know, hey, yeah, tell you like it is, you know. Yeah, Yeah, I was, I think I was there for the the Roman Reigns Rumble when he won, and yeah, there was booze. Yeah, 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 but look at him now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, they're pushing him to the tilt. You know, they push it. Roman deserves it. You know, I mean, I don't. You know, you got to have Roman. Roman's a great athlete, man. uh, Great talent and. You know, you've seen, you've seen, he, he had to be the face of the company a while back. You've seen that coming. So mm-hmm. it was really, you know, what a match he had over in Wales, man, with Drew McIntyre. That was fucking phenomenal. That yeah. Was great. So you still watch the current product, I guess, when you can? Yeah, yeah, still watch. Definitely yeah. follow up on some things and stuff. Look at, you know, watch AEW a little bit here and there and, you know, watch WWE. Yeah. WWE's getting a little cartoonish and all this other stuff, you know. Yeah. You know, AEW wants to pull the strings, but I, I think with Triple H now, you never know. I mean, he may, he may take it to another level, you know? Yeah. For sure. So we'll see. Hopefully he does. I'm sure he will. You know, he's got a great mind for the business, all, all aspects. Well, so sticking stick there with AEW, I know, <clears throat> so you they brought you in, you ref the, uh, the Cody TNT title match again. Yeah. Uh, it's failing me now. Well, I worked him in- with Darby. Yeah. Was, uh, Darby, and then, uh, yeah, Cody, and uh, then I did a couple other matches or something yeah. like that. I think it was Samoa. Back and, yeah, Samoa Joe. Most recent one for Owen Hart. Hart. Right. Yeah. yeah. Right. Vegas. That was nice. I mean, yeah. AW, you know, like uh, I don't know. He's just uh, Tony Khan's not a big fan of the referees, man. I don't know. 
He's yeah. just, really? Well, I mean, you know, like you can tell. You know, he's he's bringing in all the talent, you know, and mm-hmm. I'd love to be there. I would have loved to have been there. You know, work work a little bit or whatever he wanted me to do. Or so I remember Cody trying to get me in, you know, to train the referees or to help them out or just to do my thing and you know just whatever give my 35 years experience you know well 35 years with wwe but um 33 years a referee and so and you know i made my debut on tv in 89 and uh, i was refereeing starting about in 87 with joey morella from south jersey and gorilla monsoon so uh, we grew up in willingboro new jersey there in the uh late 70s mid 70s and uh early 80s uh, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I guess just like with, with that AEW environment, I mean, you kind of answered it and just selling it there, but like, so what was, um, you know, having come from being in WWE for so long and then kind of going in there, like, what was the, the difference like in, in environment? Cause I mean, all the wrestlers always talk about when, you know, AEW came around, it was like the promised land for so many people and stuff. So like, right. kind of know the opinion there, but like from that ref aspect, like what yeah. was it? It's, a, it's, they got a great vibe going on over there. I mean, I know things are out of control a little bit or something's going on, you know. We'll get back to that. But yeah. So, I mean, <laughs> but, uh, you know, that just comes, you know, it, that just comes with talent. You got to have certain guys running at certain position, talent relations where they can control the talent, you know? Yeah. Um, I don't know. So, you know, um, they got a great vibe and a great thing going on. They don't travel international. I don't know why. You, you know, you should make it and break it out to international because I think they would really sell out, make a lot of money. Um, Tony Khan, you know, to me, is is got a great, you know, with Cody starting that with Tony Khan, they they started a great thing, you know, and now there's a there's another place to go for the boys. Now the boys are not, they're just not in a, in a in a cave and you know where they just got to work for wwe and there's nowhere else to really go yeah so i mean another bigly with with billions of dollars and big money to back it up so now and now there is you know so i mean you see cesaro you know and certain other guys that they get released now boom next you know tony khan's got them you know yeah. mm-hmm. um so i mean now now it's like you know look how wwe picked up cody real quick because they're like oh you're having problems over there shit we'll take you back you know so uh and it was it was it was tough that's why like cody had a lot of he was pushing for me to get in there you know and then i wasn't stressed and i was like hey they want me to come in and help out and and referee a few matches and referee pay-per-views do whatever that's fine with me but it just didn't pan out like that so yeah hey it's not a loss that's for sure definitely I don't know how you, I don't know how you hear Mike Kyoto yeah. and say, nah, we're good. It's crazy. Yeah, it's, it's all good. I mean, you know, I, I don't know sometimes if it's an age factor or in the, that's why I don't even know with WWE. I mean, I'm 56, but, you know, I didn't want to referee until I was 60 years old either or 50. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. I didn't want to keep referee until I'm 60 with these young kids, you know, but, yeah. um, you know, I only had a couple more years in my belt anyway. That's why I was like working with, you know, I was with the company 35 years, Tony Chimmel, 38 years. Yeah. Uh, you know, a bunch of guys that got released were over 30 years. It was like, we all had 30 something years plus. Yeah. So like, holy shit, they're cleaning house or age or that many years there. What, you know? Yeah. But, yeah. We had Tony Trimble on a few, uh, few months ago. Oh yeah. He's yeah. the man. Yeah. He he's told funny. me to tell you to say hi, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm yeah. surprised he did your show. <laughs> yeah. 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 He's always bitching about the podcast. I'm like, bro, I put in like 200 hours like last year during COVID. I'm like, what the, you know, he's like, oh, I ain't doing anything unless I get yeah. paid for it. I'm like, well, you'll be sitting home fucking talking to your TV. 
Yeah, he's got those. Uh, what is it? Chimios, he calls it the cameos. Yeah, the catch. Yeah, yeah, he's the man. <laughs> he's too much. Yeah, I gotta ask in ring. I know we see a lot of uh, in in ring action with the ref as well, but when it comes to like mishaps, yeah, do you have any that come to mind that you're like, oh shit, you know, like I wasn't supposed to count the three or this guy's, you know, being disrespectful. He's out of here. Like yeah, anything did, like that. Yeah, it was like a few years ago. I remember it was our truth and uh. Shinjuku, uh, not Shinjuku, Japan. I mean, uh, God, he's from, I think he's from Shinjuku. Uh, so Shinsuke. Shinsuke so, Nakamura. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Nakamura. So, and uh, so we were talking over the match, and Ronnie said, Yeah, he goes, I'm going to roll him up one, two, three, you know? So I'm like, oh, Okay, cool. So, like, and it was for the uh, United States champion or something like that. Okay. And actually, Vince loved it because it was fucking great or something. But um, it was supposed to be on the second roll-up, and Ronnie <laughs> never told me that. <laughs> so, fucking, they, they tried to keep going. I said, no, that was it. One, two, three, one, two, three. And then fucking, um, and Ronnie was like, oh, dog, you're supposed to be on the second roll-up. I was like, you just told me the first roll-up. You never told me there was a, why would you roll him up twice? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, you would fucking schoolboy him once and then schoolboy him again to get the win? I'm like, what the fuck? That don't make sense. He's like, yeah, it doesn't. My bad, dog. You know? <laughs> Hi, Ronnie. Yeah. Um, you know, like little shit like that happens, fucks up. But Vince loved it. Vince was like, oh, fucking great. Yeah, why yeah. don't you fucking roll him up twice? You know, or so um, but yeah, you know, little shit like that mishaps, but I had no major counts, no major yeah. nothing on pay-per-views or you know, where I fucked up because that that was one thing as a referee, you know. You, you better get in there and do your job because after these boys put on a 30 to a 45 minute to an hour match or a marathon, whatever it is, you better not fuck up your part because if you got one bump and they're bumping yeah. like 40, 50 times in that match and taking chair shots or taking this or tables or whatever they're doing to each other, you know, yeah, during the match. And if it's a referee's one bump he's got to take, you better be there for it. It better look good. And the referee should, you know, he has to do his job and don't fuck him and screw up in the finishes. That's the yeah. most important part. What about those uh, manager interferences? How do you know? How do you not know they're there? Yeah, right. Uh, <laughs> what the hell? You, you got to remember the referee get paid not to see in the wrestling. Yeah, yeah. So we get paid not to see. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, you know, it's, it's distractions and all that other stuff that you – if you don't make a referee look stupid, if you outsmart the referee, you know, it, it, the match flows much, much better. Yeah. You know, things go much better. It doesn't look so choreographed. And just as long as either, you know, it's the tag team's partner or a manager and they're outsmarting the referee and not too long and don't hold the referee too long, then, you know, it, you know, it, it just everything flows well. But yeah. there, there could be ways that you work it where if you're there too long with a manager, if you're just, there's certain, there's so many different ways, you know, you can bury a referee. Yeah. And if it, if all goes well, then it looks great, you know, because wrestling is choreographed. So, I mean, you know, you basically got to look your spots. You got to make the referee's spots look not so that it's not so stupid that you're just outsmarting them real quick. Yeah. It makes all world of a difference in a match. Yeah. Uh, like, did brought... you see the Wells match? Did you see the Wells match? Did you uh, see Roman, Roman and Drew? Oh, match? yeah, and Drew. Yeah. yeah. 
Okay, did you see where near the end where Roman grabbed Charles Robinson? Yes. Right before the bump. Knew the bump was coming there. Like as soon as he went to grab him, and it took so long to develop because he kept grabbing Charles and arguing and arguing with him. And I'm like, holy shit, he's either gonna yeah. you know fucking charge him and move, or he's just gonna plow into the pile. And and it's exactly what happened, but it was like so telegraphed. Yeah. I wish they would just that would have been shortened up just a little bit, you know. Yeah, it's. I agree because like you, you yeah. look at it, it's like okay, it's coming, it's coming, it's coming. When is it coming? Right, and something was coming. It, you knew know, that yeah. with the red bump, and then it came. Yeah. You know? yeah, I mean, I did. You know, I knew the the barricade spot when Roman was feeding. I said, "Oh, don't tell me to do that barricade broken spot again." You know, two big dudes going. Oh through. yeah, yeah. Um, I'm so over that spot. They yeah. do it way too much. It's crazy. Way too much. Right. I hear it. You know, crazy. Doing it so much. But, you know, and, you know, but Roman made it work. I mean, because, mm-hmm. you know, they did get me on the false finish because I actually thought they were going to maybe put it on Drew real quick. Yeah. And then, um, and then uh, turn it back to Roman when they got back into the States or something. But no, nah, they did get me on that one false finish. Though. Yeah. <laughs> they got yep. me. Yep. But uh, hell of a match. Hell of a match. Speaking of uh, Roman and celebrities, we brought up Tyson. And uh, Logan Paul is going to be uh, featured at this Saudi Arabia event. Um, right. What are your thoughts on celebrities? I mean, I know it's really important to uh, the WWE, but just in general, like part of part of the show. Yeah, it doesn't it doesn't bother me one bit. I mean, in my 35 years with WWE and traveling, and I got so many pictures of celebrities all over the place. William Shatner. And, all, you know, Samuel Jackson and just uh, yeah. a ton of celebrities, man. I mean, I got The Rock all over the wall. It's He became one hell of a celebrity. And I mean, it's just, it, it's pretty cool meeting people. Like uh, I met Robert Plant in England, in Birmingham, England one time. Fuck, I never knew I'd meet Robert Plant. You know, one of my favorite bands, Led Zeppelin. Um, Ted Nugent came to a show one time. There was a ton of people, you know, just a ton yeah. of celebrities and rock stars and, you know, Kid Rock. And it's just, I think it's great. I mean, yeah. it helps. It does help, you know, when you have celebrities there and you're sitting in front row and, you know, you, you add them onto the show. Um, you know, Any interactions? Uh, interactions as far as, what do you mean? Like, like backstage know? or something like that? Yeah, I mean, it's cool. Yeah, you talk to a lot of celebrities backstage and you get pictures with them and stuff like that. And, um, you know, and it's it, it, it was cool with me. I mean, they seem to have a lot of respect for the business, you know, and because they know it's entertainment. They know it's a hell of a show. I mean, when you look at WrestleMania and the Summer Slams that we're putting on now, man, it just, it, that's like, God, we're running like four Super Bowls every yeah. year. Yeah. Royal Rumble or this one or these big stadiums. I mean, WWE is, and they're running like all these big stadiums, which we, we used to run every once in a while. But, um, you know, people love wrestling, man. They love wrestling. As long as their kids are growing up, everybody goes to that stage. You know, um, they're going to make daddy take them to wrestling or, you know, yeah. and daddy's probably making a kid go to wrestling. Yeah. You know? Oh, yeah. Yep. <laughs> what do you got, Keith? Well, so kind of going back there a little bit to what Nick was talking about, you know, different things going on in the ring and gotten to call it and everything. Right. Um, it's been one of those things I always kind of wondered about, you know, you always catch the the earpiece in the referee's ear. There was the, right. the big thing a couple of years ago, or it might've been only like a year or so, or whatever, where they, uh, there was like that leak list of like terms for like commentators of like, don't say this kind of stuff. And, you know, them talking about constantly having like Vince in the ear and everything. Right. I imagine it's a pretty similar kind of situation for you guys in the ring there. Maybe not as on hand, but is that kind of 
Yeah, the vibe there is just them, give, you know, feeding in there. Just like, oh, listen, I'll call it this way. Let them know timing and all that kind of fun stuff. Well, Vince, you know, if you go over Vince with certain things in a certain match with him before the match, he he works a gorilla on the other side, like right next to uh, Billy Kidman. So you know, Vince would used to like work with Triple H up there or or an agent at that time, Johnny Laurinaitis, and and it would be Kidman. And then the producer of the match, you know, by sitting by each other. So Vince would never directly, you know, there was only a few times in, in my career where Vince got on directly with me was, you know, with Shane and Kurt Angle. You know, oh, yeah. Shane, right. fucking yeah. First, um, you know, he's fucking you know, freaking out, screaming, you know. Um, but there was only a few times where Vince got on because it, it was always he was screaming at Billy. Billy would fucking scream at us, and then you'd have the producer fucking in your ear too. It's like everybody's. You hear Vince in the background. Billy's through the IFB. Fucking Jamie Noble or Michael Hayes or somebody else is, you know, through your through your IFB too. And it's like sometimes I'd pull that fucking thing out because I had to focus on the match. Yeah, I couldn't deal with all the fucking drama. And you know, half the time they're trying to call a spot to tell the guy to do something, and they're already past that spot and it's like fuck i can't tell them to do that we we were just going to do that and they're doing something else you know it's just it gets confusing but it's it's not easy because then you got to hit the times the times right. you, you know now it's for the network but when you're on usa and live on you know friday nights and mondays um you know you, you just got it you got to hit the times the cues are very important when you're coming off that 11 10 at night yeah. Or are you coming off at right. 10 o'clock at night? You know, that, that's and your crossovers and stuff like that in that commercials. That's very important. Yeah. But it's a lot yeah. of bullshit over the IFP. It is. Of course. <laughs> we got to get back to WrestleMania real quick. Mm-hmm. The heist of the century, WrestleMania 31. Phenomenal. I mean, right. how does that go down? I guess, do, do you know, like Seth is going to cash in or you don't want to know? You just want to, you know, know who's going to win and that's it no you kind of you, you kind of want to know I of mean, course i mean to do your job right but you know like you know it's, it, it's not like we're trying to fool ourselves you know we're just trying to trying to swerve the fans you know so yeah. i mean yeah i knew everything with seth coming down and all this and uh yeah you know so i mean with that happening i mean it was phenomenal i mean brock and roman had a freaking phenomenal match man Phenomenal match and um yeah Seth Rollins cash. I mean it was just uh it was a long way because I remember we were just worried about the spot because he had such a long way to go, you know, um to come down. But um, you know, he, he hustled because he knew he was gonna be champion, that's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, <I'm right. laughs> yeah. Yeah, I love that money in the bank cash in. Yeah, it's, it's great. It's great for great fans deal. too. Yeah, yeah, it is great. It's it's definitely exciting. Yeah. That's one thing. I remember you know, the most best like reaction I used to get in the most fans these days, and I've cashed in quite a few money in the banks, whether it was Miz or this or that. And uh, everybody brings up the Carmella deal. Oh, with Ellsworth? Huh? Was that with? No, that's how she won it. That's how she is. Right. Yeah. That's how nah, she but won she, it. I, well, because I feel like part of it was probably because she had like, I mean, at least from the, from the women's one coming into it, she still to this day, I'm pretty sure, has like the longest like, she held on to it for the longest. Everybody oh, else that's wanted, like they got it and they put it in, like they put it right up the yeah. next night. She held it for like a little bit. So yeah, she did hold it for a while. Yeah. Yeah. Cause she kept trying to like maybe that kind of, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like maybe that kind of helped with it. I don't know. Yeah. But that right. was, yeah, that one hadn't really thought of that until you said it. That was definitely like a really 
kind of uncharacteristically loud. Uh, yeah, it was just screaming at me, and I'm, and I'm sitting there going, "Are you sure? Are you sure?" Like like yeah. ten times, and she's screaming. I remember <laughs> he was screaming so loud it was piercing my ears. I was like, yeah. oh, "What the fuck?" Yeah. But um, everybody loved that cash in. I'm like, you know, when her, she was trying to cash it in, I'm like, "Holy shit!" Everybody talks about that more than they talk about the Seth Rollins deal. Yeah. But um, yeah, it's Seth Rollins deal it was it was big, huge. He's he's a he's a phenomenal wrestler, man. Oh yeah. He first came in. And um, every time I seen him work, he just, he was pulling out a new stunt, new performance in the ring. It was just a, this a new move. And like, I'm like, where the fuck did you come up with that? You know? yeah. Guy's phenomenal. He is. Yeah. I'm going to stick with WrestleMania because, I mean, come on. 23, <laughs> that bump. Do you go, do you take that a couple times or just like, yo, Michaels, hit me. And that's it. Like, how does Which that Which one go? was this? Wasn't it 23 you took the Sweet yeah. Chin music? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I mean that that felt phenomenal. I mean, I remember shit like um, Sean just used to place that so good, man. And then, you know, it always you got to turn your face if you don't want your nose broken or you don't want your teeth knocked out. Yeah. And you just tell him to bring it, man. That's it. Like, and I've always told him just just bring it, man. If you hit me, you stiff me. So what? You know. Yeah. Um, it just doesn't look like shit then. Yeah. And, uh, I remember Sean, it was just like, I barely even felt that. <laughs> I was like, and uh, I remember with Sean one time broke my nose with a four on me. I remember he went to go hit Razor or somebody who was working a match years ago and they duck. Sean like comes and forms me, you know, and I'm crossing, I'm crossing behind the, uh, the heel at ducks and boom, Sean hits me with the forearm, knocks me out for the match, but he broke my nose, but it's not his fault because I yeah. didn't I really turn around. I didn't turn my face, you know, soon enough. So, um, you know, there's, there's a lot of things, a lot of shit that happens in wrestling. But, um, yeah, it was, I mean, when a bump goes that well with the referee, you know, you know, you did your job, you're happy. Yeah. You know, and um, whether you're out for the night or, you know, whatever you did, but when the bump goes well, you, you just, you're, you're completely satisfied. Yeah. So, I mean, moving away from Mania a little bit, but still kind of yeah. sticking with the whole, the bumps and everything. Uh, you had a, I mean, in my opinion, a pretty, pivotal part of uh the invasion there when it was you jericho and the rock versus the dudleys and nick patrick yes sir and i believe it was the the referee's elbow not the people's elbow maybe right, right a little right. pin on there <laughs> what was that kind of whole experience like because i can't imagine you know hey that was the, the stories of bubba anyway nowadays i can't imagine going into the room and you know him walking right. in and seeing like oh i'm working with the refs tonight like i can't imagine right. that went over too well so, like what was that kind of like that is funny because um <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I walk into TV that day and, uh, the, you know, the writers come up and they're like, oh, you, you got a match tonight. I'm like, well, shit, I didn't expect to have the night off. And they're like, no, you're, you're actually wrestling. I said, who am I repping? And they go, no, you're actually wrestling a match tonight. I'm like, what? I'm like, you fucking kidding me? I said, wrestling who? I said, oh, my God, this is going to look like shit. You know, I'm like, well, why would you? You know, and they're like, oh, you're going to tag up with The Rock and Jericho. And uh, you're facing the Dudleys and, and Nick Patrick. And I'm like, oh, what the fuck? I hope this shit's going to look good, you know? Yeah. And me and Nick are, like, worried all day. We're like, oh, shit, you know, I hope he takes his bump inside the ring good. And, like, he gets tossed in and healed in. We're all just worried about all the spots. And, um, yeah, it turned out good. And I remember Bubba going, yo, if you don't sell my fucking clothesline, he goes, you are going to be in fucking deep shit. And I'm like, oh, you got to be fucking kidding me. I'm like, Bubba. Yeah. I want to fucking sell it. He goes, I mean, you fucking sell it, Kyoto. 
And I'm like, he's like, you're a fucking referee. You're not one of the boys. And I'm like, yeah, I know. I'm, I'm like, all right, bye-bye. All right. I got you. I didn't have, man, I didn't have a fucking choice. He came across yeah. that clothesline. Yeah. And he, if you don't, if you, if you go back and watch that, I had my arm on my chest, even while I was trying to give the fucking people's elbow. <laughs> I'm running across the ring like a little bitch with fucking still selling my chest. <laughs> and I sold it all the way to the back. Yeah. And uh, Bubba goes, fucking goddamn Kyoto, you oversold that shit. I'm like, what? He was fucking with me, though. <laughs> yeah. But, um, yeah, it was great, man. I mean, it was just phenomenal. I couldn't believe I was going to be, you know, I was part of a fucking match on the main event, you know, on SmackDown. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, had a lot of fun with it. You know, I, I really don't even remember in the last 20 years as a referee done that, you know, been in a match with, you know, um, in a main event match. So, um, yeah, it was a pretty cool feeling and glad everything worked out okay. My shit didn't look too weak. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think it's the common theme when it comes to your career, just the trust, you know? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It was a lot of fun doing that, man. So, you know, as a one-time thing, I was like, oh, where are we going from here to the writers? You know, am I going to yeah. start making big money? No, that was it. <laughs> I'm like, oh, fuck. Yeah. <laughs> we had Shamrock on the uh, on the podcast a few uh, weeks ago. Right. And uh, we asked him, uh, you know, one of his favorite ribs. He brought up Owen and he, uh, Owen, uh, lubed up the, the knob on the door do you got any favorite ribs it doesn't have to be about owen but just just something in general tons of ribs man yeah. um, let's hear a good one that you haven't told i mean well i mean well shoot, i'm telling a lot but I, <laughs> I, yeah bulldog back in the day man where he would cut off like people's suit jackets or, or a sleeve their sweat jacket or something you know and, and cut it like almost yeah. all the way off and then you put your arm through and they go put it on they cut the shoelaces. I remember Owen used to send pizzas to Zeus's room international tours, man. He used to flip out because the pizzas would get charged to the room, you know, and then delivered to his fucking room and they'll be automatically charged in Europe. Yeah. Um, you know, shit like that. I remember Owen used to call up Zeus fucking with him on the phone at the hotel rooms. I'm, I'm going back like some years. Uh just tons of ribs, man. People cutting people's hair off. I mean, yeah. it was like um, eyebrows would get shaved if you're on a bus long ride. If you didn't watch it, you know, yeah, you drunk, passed out. There'd be a ton of ribs going on. Uh, you know, um, sometimes there were not so good ribs. You know, when you had, I remember what's her face, Sunny, and they they shitting her food on a European tour in the beef stew, and. Uh, I was on a tour bus and all you did was hear her start screaming because I go, oh man, it was fucked up. I was in the back of the bus and you just hear her screaming, you know. Um, yeah. She just realized she just ate shit with her beef stew. So it was like leftover food catering in Europe would leave you and you tell them what you want, you know, and then the kitchen would make one up for you and leave your name on it. And then, uh, you know, I guess, you know, Sonny had to eat with whoever. It was, it was like, you know, the X-Pac and DX uh, crew back then, the click. I don't know which one did it, but anyway, um, yeah, also, you know, like th those ribs were like, woo. Yeah, a little too far. Right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but that's that that kind of shit happened, I'll tell you that, man. Yeah, I it bet. It's always like, you know, you got to watch out for yourself, that's for sure. Kind of, you know, prepping for today, you know, because like I said, I feel like you're such like an integral part of like my growing up in wrestling. I mean, you've been everywhere. It was really hard to like pinpoint exact ones to talk about. Right, right. Uh, with different stuff but like one of the random things that popped up that i was like really curious about it so i just generally if it's like true or what the hell it was like if it is true um so somewhere i think it was on like uh 
one of those like fan wiki ones of everything. Right. It said that you and Chimmel recorded the the grunts for uh, the the WWF Royal Rumble game for Sega in '93. Is that a real thing, or is that I remember some when, random shit? No, Chimmel used to do some stuff too. Um, yeah, I think he he was like when he was ring announcing that. I think he did some voiceovers for that. Okay. You know? Um, I can't remember if I did it. I remember I did a, a quite a few things and. You know, then I was on the SmackDown game, and then, then when I finally asked for royalties, they cut me out of the SmackDown game because they weren't giving referees royalties and stuff like that. So, um, and I heard I was just in the 2022 like the K game. Uh, oh yes, and and, you uh, blurred out, right? I blurred out. Yeah, bullshit. I, you fucking blurred me out. Like they yeah. ain't got enough money to go around, you know. And then, you know, me and my wife, we sit back and. So, babe, do you want to watch this uh, legend thing or this, uh, you know, biography on this? And I'm like, yeah, let's check it out. You know, that they're doing all this biography stuff. Oh, and A&E. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And stuff. I'm like, I'm on like fucking 80% of all over the place with on, on all these matches. Yeah. Going back from the 80s and 90s. And, you know, and it's like, God damn. I'm like, all right. So they want to pay me on the, you know, the video game when there's a yeah. ton of money out there, you know. But I remember one day, like, woke up on Twitter, Twitter, and I'm not on this social media stuff too much at all, but I looked at Twitter was blowing up because people, you know, were pissed about, they blurred me out, you know, and I'm like, they just never wanted to give referees royalties, you know, I was just talking to my one buddy in referee, uh, this kid that's repping now, and he had to go out to the West Coast, you know, and, um, and he's still paying for his hotels and cars and stuff, you know. I'm like, oh fuck, how much is the rental car, you know, for the loop? Oh, four or five hundred. Oh, I'm just, oh my god, gas out in California. Yeah, it's a lot. Fucking yeah. two hundred. I'm like, what? Oh, that, you know, he's gonna be spending like a grand just on the weekend shows. You know? <laughs> yeah, it's for a lot. expenses, you know, it's like some of the referees are still paying their out of pocket stuff, you know. Yeah. Which I don't. AEW now pays for everything. They pay for the hotels, everything. I mean, that's why I said when I went down there, accommodating hotel, car, transportation, food, everything. So, I got to bring it up. Good. CM Punk, the press conference, that shit yeah. show. What are your uh, thoughts, man? I mean, obviously you've you've been through it all when it comes to wrestling. Right. You had to be maybe nothing compared to that, but something similar. I mean, what do you do? I mean, he's man, talking I, shit. The the CEO is just sitting right there, not doing anything. I mean, weird. Right. I, and I get that. See, like, to me, it's like, yeah, I would, I'd like to see, you know, to me, it's just my opinion. Tony Khan should stay off those press, press conferences, a lot of them. Um, CM Punk, I have nothing but a lot of respect for, man. He's always respected me in, in my career, working with him and for him. Um, it was great to see him. I see him for a quick minute, for a quick five minutes. We talked, you know, in um, Vegas. Um, and, you know, I, I don't know the whole story of it yet. You know, I hear, yeah. you know, I speak to a lot of the boys that work for, you know, AEW still. And, but, um, you know, are they poking at him? They keep poking, poking, poking on social fucking media and all this stuff. Were they poking at him? And then he's striking back. I mean, um, you know, I don't know. It's just, uh, I, have, I have the most, I mean, I know CM Punk for a lot of years. I know he speaks his mind. Yeah. And you can't blame a guy that speaks his mind in this business too. You know, I know it got him in trouble in WWE, but Look, you know, the guy sells tickets and he can wait. He just draws. He draws. Yeah. You know, so um, I really don't know the whole story. But, you know, Tony Khan sitting there with him all the time, you know, 
yeah, if the press conference goes good, but if it goes bad, then it just makes everybody look bad. Maybe, you know, does Tony Khan need to sit out there in these press conferences and podcasts all the time? Do they need to really do them like that every time? So you could just, you know, I don't know. It's just, uh, I think they'll get their shit together. I think everybody yeah. will come to, you know, when MJF went, went off, man, I watched that promo and I said, fuck, I was like, please tell me he's not shooting because, you know, this could be a great fucking angle, you know? Yeah. To me, that was a work. That was a complete work. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And, uh, you know, because they do give the finger on, you know, AEW. they do curse, they do do other shit. So I'm thinking, so why are they so pissed at, you know, like MJF doing what he did? You know what I'm saying? I'm thinking yeah. he cursed, he did this, he did that. Okay. But, you know, to me, I like to see stuff like that and be turn it into an angle. Yeah. You know, uh, yeah. Maybe a shoot angle. And I mean, I, I don't know. So, I mean, everybody gets stripped their titles. Um, they go back. I think they'll, they'll pick it back up, let things cool down or, you know, and they're all professionals, they're all in this business to make money, you know? And uh, I don't know, maybe, you know, I don't see where the Young Bucks have anything to do with the heavyweight championship. You know, Kenny Omega, right, does. Yeah. But, you know, supposedly what? Those three guys went up to his door in the locker room? That's what I heard. Yeah. It's all it's all back and forth. They supposedly they went and then either knocked or they kicked it down. One of those right, two, right, right. Yeah, yeah Kenny so. was protecting the dog and yeah. Right. Okay, I yeah. don't know. Yes, yeah, the only everything's hearsay. You know exactly. That's what it the is. only thing that feels like it's been like you know like confirmed quote unquote anyway was I know I saw a thing the other day that Omega was on, um, like some TV show in Japan. Right, and he had like a like a bite mark bruise on his arm because supposedly, but maybe confirmed now, oh, yeah, a steel bit him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I don't know, a steel. Okay, gotcha. Supposedly, and yeah. it looks like it, people are saying it's a bite mark. It could be a bruise. I mean, it looks like you know, guy hit the turnstile in the 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 subway. Right, right. but yeah. everyone's like, no, nah, it's a bite mark. He did it. Right. I, I mean, you know, AEW's got a hell of a lot of talent over there right now. They got some damn good talent. You know, and CM Punk, Kenny Omega, you got all, you know, I was, I was shocked to see Cody go back. I really was. When, when Cody started with Tony Khan, this whole, you know, starting that AEW, I was, I was just shocked that Cody went back, you know, and, and Tony Khan let him go. So, you know, you knew there was things going haywire up on the top already, you know, yeah. before all this. So it's just, uh, you know, I, I think they'll work it out. I mean, you got Daniel Bryan, you got Jericho there, you got a lot of old school talent. You got Big Show and Regal. You got Regal, right? You got Regal there, and you got you know Arn Anderson, these agents, and Dean Malenko, and you know, make somebody that had the talent relations. You know, yeah. I wouldn't bring in Johnny Laurinaitis, maybe. No, but I mean, no. You know, and I mean, he is the best of what he does as far as you know talent. He knows his shit about this business. You know, Johnny. Yeah. Um, but. You probably can't bring, but I mean, you got to bring somebody in to make, you know, Big Show something like head of talent relations. Who's going to fucking, who's going to give Big Show yeah. shit? Right. Exactly. But, um, you know, so I mean, you know, maybe you just need a, you need a guy that's always been there to take the heat, like uh, Johnny Laurinaitis at Jim Ross um, yeah. and so forth to handle your talent. J.J. Dillon over the years and all these other guys. So and that's what Vince did. He always had somebody to handle the talent. Yeah. So yeah. I mean, you get somebody in that position, you know, maybe Tony Khan could sit back a little bit and just make the decisions and from what he hears, you know. So yeah, 
Well, we'll see how that goes. I mean, Tony Khan's doing a phenomenal job. And, you know, like Hunter said on some interview, he's like, hey, am I worried about AEW? No, they beat my farm league. They beat my AAA league in, yeah. in ratings. Well, yeah. well, that's a fucking start. You know, that's a start. You got to beat the AAA before you beat the best club. You know? Yes. Yeah. You got to beat the minor leagues. Yeah. You got to beat the, got to at least beat the minor leagues before you get yeah. to the big leagues and beat them. So, I mean, you know, they got something going good on there. I think this will all blow by before you know it in a month or two. Yeah. We'll be talking about something else, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, again, it's been three years. They're yeah. still a small company. Yeah. Right? I when mean, it comes to how you know the lifelong yeah i mean you know i i know kenny and them guy i mean i i met kenny a couple times in the bucks they were always cool dudes and very respectful very nice and and do i know punk yes and he's always been good to me in my career and good guy to me and right back at him and i give him nothing but props too so i really don't know what happened there yeah so i can't really you know can't really comment on it yeah really. it's rumors yep yeah right. it's all rumors <clears throat> All right, Mike, let's end it on a high note. I'm going to give you, you a it. few names. Just give me your thoughts, whatever you, anything about the, the guys. Are you ready? All right. Chris Jericho. He's the man. God, God bless him. He's still got, he's still going, man. At his age and everything, just um, every time I see him, he's just, he's always hustling, doing cruises, working wrestling cruises, working this, go, I'm going yeah. to do Fozzie. Um, Chris Jericho's a great guy, man. Love him. John Cena. John Cena, hardworking dude. Uh, a little tired of hearing his voiceovers on TV lately. I mean, he's, he's on every fucking thing. <laughs> Even the commercials, yeah. John Cena made us a lot of money in 10 or 12 years. Uh, hard worker. Uh, good luck to Hollywood. And, you know, um, I know he wants to do Hollywood real big. And, you know, he's he's hustling. And, and he always followed that loyalty, respect, you know, thing. Yeah. Um, and good luck with him. Uh the rock the man yeah <laughs> i thought that was a pretty easy one the uh, Sh- only, shane, yeah. shane mcmahon shane mcmahon he's a great guy man i mean he's one of my one of my good friends um i miss him i actually um touched base with talked to him uh august 1st was my birthday he reached out and then he had he reached out i was on my way home from nashville and how the flare match went and everything went on that match and everything so we talked a little bit there um, Shane started with us when he was very young in his business. He used to work with me and Tony Chimmel on the ring crew. He learned everything up from the bottom all the way to the top. Uh, miss him dearly. I know he's doing well. Um, so yeah, I'd, I'd like to see him and, uh, play a bigger part, a bigger role in, in the WWE at some point in some time. I'd like to see that. Um, that's it. Uh, Shane had the much, oh, oh, much, much respect. I mean, yeah. uh, when I got released, he was the one who called me from Vermont when he was over there. He was in, you know, with his family in Vermont with COVID. And, um, you know, he called me a couple of days later and we, we talked and stuff. And, you know, he was the only one who called me. I didn't hear from Vince, Stephanie, or, or anybody else. Yeah. Him and I guess him and Vince butted heads and stuff. And yeah. That's it, you know, and, you know, Vince is a stubborn guy. Same with Shane. He's a stubborn guy as well, too. So, I mean, you yeah. know, it happens in families, you know. Three more names. Shawn Michaels. Great worker, man. Um, phenomenal worker. Great guy. Worked him for a lot of years. It was um, it was great to see. He's he's a legend, icon. Um, so is with you know a lot of other boys, but um, just uh, Shawn. I remember him came when he came into WWF. You know, with the Rockers. You know, with him and Marty Jannetty. And to, to see him to make that transition from going to a tag team match 
tag team to a singles, you know, wrestler to just this complete big out showstopper star. Um, and had some of the most best, best matches with Shawn Michaels, man. Scott Hall. Uh, God rest him. God bless, man, with Shawn, um, Scott Hall. Uh, I'll never, you know, love Scott, man. He was, he was, uh, he always loved how I counted. I'll never forget, I'll never forget the day he told me that, you know, when one, two, three kid had a fucking go over on him in, in uh, Manhattan Center. Yeah. <laughs> he goes, Coyote. Coyote. <laughs> You better fucking count so fast. He's <laughs> like, I want that fucking one, two, three quick as fucking yeah. possible. And I'm like, you got it, Razor. You got it. No problem. Because I'm fucking telling you. Like, and he was shooting because, you know, it was a big deal when the boys yeah. would go over or somebody would do a job for somebody. It was a big deal that he took that shit with pride. Like, you know, like Shawn Michaels and Razor and other guys, Diesel or anybody, you know, a lot of them guys took that shit as pride. Like, I got to take the fucking, I got to do the job for him. <laughs> yeah. But, um, you know, Razor Ramon, uh, uh, it was just, you know, it was sad his, his life ended so early. Um, loved work with him. Never forget, like, before I was refereeing, a lot, like, I used to take the robes. And Razor used to, I used to take the robes, you know, from the guys on the outside of the ring. And he'd always be like, he'd take that toothpick and he'd give me his jewelry, his jacket. He's like, all right, Chico, Coyote, I'm sorry. And he flicked that, take that thing out of his mouth, flick it in my face. <laughs> you know, like, yeah, taking road stuff when I was first starting out. And, you know, it was just um, a lot of fun with Razor in the ring, outside the ring, and everything, man. Just all right. The best for last. Tony Chimmel, let's hear it. Ah, <laughs> he is the man. Yeah. Um, I love Tony Chimmel, man. He's, uh, me and him, you know, we, we traveled the road for 20 something years in the truck, man. And did the ring crew and stuff like that for at least 21, 22 years or so. And, uh, we busted our ass, man. And we, we basically live with, live with each other for at least 300 days a year or yeah. more sometimes. And, uh, he taught me a lot when I first started in the business, like Joey did refereeing and other things and, um, working for Gorilla Monsoon. And, you know, Chimel took care of me. He was about four or five, years older than me four years older than me so i mean you know he, he always looked out for me which i appreciated and um you know tony chimble could do no wrong in my eyes yeah. <laughs> even though he runs his trap too much <laughs> but uh yeah, yeah. I, I, you know i'm hoping he's getting his gig with aw we'll see so i don't know yeah that would be cool so mike yeah, again they they just haven't hired him yet either you know? yeah yeah we need it the rated r soon Stop. <laughs> yes. no, he's on some skating rink. He's on a uh, a big painting and some skating rink or some kind of in Jersey. Yeah, in Terry Hill. Oh, my shit. sister's. It. Yeah, it's in Muhammad Ali, and I think <laughs> Tony Chimmel. <laughs> Hold on, Tony was in the middle. It was Muhammad Ali and somebody else on the on the right. I forgot it was a boxer. It wasn't no, it was a wrestler. Um, hmm. God. Got who, who the worker was back in the day, but yeah, he's on some big That's mural. Yeah, Inoki. Yeah, Is it no. Antonio Inoki. What's that? No, no, nah, some not that one. Old school. It was like Gorgeous George or yeah. uh, All right. somebody like from way back. Probably there. somebody from Jersey too, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> nice. But Mike, you're the man. Thank you so much for taking the time. This you might be a it, stupid guy. question, but give the people what they want. How can we find you? 
Now you can find me at Twitter at MGC Kyoto. And uh, I got some merch at ProWrestlingTees.com and stuff. And uh, have a podcast every Monday with ad-free shows. And, it, you know, it's Monday Mailbag with Mike Kyoto. And we have a fun time on there with Paulie B. Bromwell and um, ad-free shows. And uh, that's pretty much it. Otherwise, you can just catch me on my email. Awesome. You can find us on Twitter at the UW Pod and Instagram at UW Podcast. Mike, one last thing. Go Birds! Thank you for listening to another edition of the Universal Wrestling Podcast. Check us out on the web at uwpod.com. You've got mail. Or send us an email. We really don't know what we're dealing with here, man. Info at uwpod.com. Universal Wrestling Podcast. Nobody does it better.